All right, guys, welcome back. Jiu-Jitsu Motivation Podcast. My name is Greg Melita, black belt, second degree, owner of Hamptons Jiu-Jitsu. And I'm Brian DeLuca, Jiu-Jitsu black belt and author of Jiu-Jitsu for Small People and other weird shit I think about. <laughs> the small people Jiu-Jitsu is the way. Brian, <laughs> is the way. Uh, yeah, so guys, got an awesome show for you today. All the way from Australia, all right, Mr. Jace from Gypsy Tales, got an amazing uh, podcast called uh, Gypsy Tales. Welcome aboard, man. Appreciate you coming on. Yeah, no, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, so I really wanted to bring you on. You know, I have a, uh, I've just been following your podcast and, um, you know, I, I actually grew up racing motocross and I, I just feel like there's so many uh, crossover and similarities and I love the intersection. I've never really seen either in motocross, besides your podcasts, you know, um, and hours now doing this kind of cross section where we see the, the similarities and um, not only in the sports themselves, but through podcasting and how podcasting is just changing the landscapes of, of, of many different sports. When did you start? Uh, when did you start Gypsy Tales? Uh, I think it was like, uh, well, actually, the first episode went on iTunes uh, on the 1st of January, 2018. So I was kind of working on it like a little bit behind the scenes. I actually lived in America for eight years. Um, and then I had some health issues that then created a visa issue. Um, so I kind of just got like stranded back in Australia. Uh, a lot of my equipment was still in America. I literally had enough equipment to do a podcast. Um, and it was pretty new. Like I, I remember coming home uh, from the States and being like, oh, did you see this episode of Rogan? Did you hear this podcast? And no one really was doing the podcast thing. No one was really listening to podcasts. And I was like, oh, okay, maybe if I'm going to be kind of stuck here, I'll do something that no one else is doing. Um, and then that's sort of what led into Gypsy Tales. And I actually, my what I was doing in America, I had a film production company. Uh, Red Bull was one of my biggest clients, and I would travel around the world shooting all the big like motocross and action sports and surfing. And um, and so I had that production background. So production's really all I knew. Um, so I was like, all right, I'll just produce my own thing uh, while I'm kind of waiting to get back to America. And it just it took off. Um, and it's actually similar time. I, I started jujitsu randomly. Um, and then, yeah, it was just kind of like a pretty good little grounding for me, you know, like I was really, I was real more dedicated to jujitsu than the podcast, to be honest. Like I felt like for probably the first year I was doing jujitsu seriously and the podcast on the side. Um, and it just kind of let it do its thing really naturally. And, and, I was like really into jujitsu, uh, trying to get good at it. And then I look up 12 months later and I got a pretty good podcast. So it's kind <laughs> of a, uh, it's kind of a pretty, pretty funny story. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been great ever since. So what, what led you to jujitsu? What made you start doing jujitsu? Man, super random. Like I, uh, I did Taekwondo as a kid and I, I would do boxing at school. I always loved like, martial arts and and fighting um i remember watching the first ultimate fighter and just being a, a huge fan um and then i listened to rogan and so there was like i guess that brought some more awareness around it um funny i actually did a jiu-jitsu class in california was it like a carlson i think it is carlson gracie the one with the bulldog logos yeah yeah 
Yeah, so I did a I did a class at a Carlson Gracie uh, gym like seven years ago, I reckon. And um, after the last roll, I was kind of just like chilling with my arms back, and this dude, like a big dude, slipped and fell and broke my wrist. So oh, that was like my first wow. jujitsu class, and uh, <laughs> I didn't have health insurance. I had like this wrist brace on for months. So I was like, all right, well, I think I better not do jujitsu. And then fast forward until yeah 2000 2018 one of my best friends his kid um axel howie he's like a little bit of a phenom in in australia like he's really 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 good um and then they were just in town and and uh judd the dad is one of my best mates said um you should come along and watch him do this jiu-jitsu competition and um i was kind of like talking with him about and he's like oh you know a fair bit about the positions and you know what side control is and you know what mount is and you know what i'm a platter is and he's like you should do a class and that was on a sunday and then monday morning i went to a 9 30 class i was like yeah i should do a class and then uh and then yeah the rest is history i guess it's funny it's funny how addicting it is you know it's like all of us and it, honestly i i believe it actually helps you in all aspects of your life it changes the way you think about things the way you see things you know Completely so no matter what, no matter what you're working on it's gonna it's gonna help yeah no and and i i noticed uh like uh you hear a lot of people say like jiu-jitsu changed their life i wouldn't say jiu-jitsu changed my life like i wasn't looking for anything or whatever but there was definitely like a I was learning a lot about life and I was trying to get better at life and jujitsu became like this. Uh, and it still is this kind of medium to make that like a, an experiential component to like the knowledge of like, okay, this is what you should do in life to get better at life. And then right. jujitsu is like this microcosm where it's like, okay, apply those lessons here and, and test it, see if it does work. <laughs> and I feel like that in that sense, it's, it really has made all of my life better. Yeah, I mean, that's that's huge. That's like everybody, I think, a, a lot of people when they start and then they get into it, I think that's like the, you know, one of the most common things that you hear. I mean, for me, that was that was that was motocross for me, too, which is the other reason why I you know, wanted to bring you on and, uh, you know, getting into that a little bit. What's what's your motocross history? Because I know Australia's got a huge motocross history, too. Yeah, so, um, I mean, that's, like, I would tell people, like, I have a black belt in motocross. Like, if there was a thing that you, you know what I mean, if that was a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad raced when I was a kid. I, I don't have a memory of my life without me and motorcycles. It was, like, my first obsession. It was my escape. It was the thing, like, when I was a kid and my life, you know, I thought my life was hard. It was, like, go to the track, be around my buddies, build jumps, like, you know, think about racing, watch racing DVDs, read about motocross. So, um, yes, you are, this... you're obsessed with uh, crusty demons and all that too, right? <laughs> Mate, everything. Yeah. It was, uh, just across the board bikes is all I wanted to do. And I knew I wasn't ever going to be like good enough to race them professionally. So I, uh, basically I got bought a camera when I was 18. I had some really fast friends and I was like, all right, I'm going to make videos like the crusty demons that I grew up watching. <laughs> Um, with my friends and then that is what kind of led me to America and then I so yeah bikes has been my entire life yeah I, I same here you know like I mean just growing up here uh, particularly living on the back of uh, Southern State Parkway where it's just all you know just just woods that can never be built on and I think it was a pretty special thing because you just see in your neighbor my one of my neighbors just had a little PW50 and we were just all like just enamored with it you know and then yeah. 
you know, my, my dad wanted to buy me a, a 1975 DS80. And then we all, just, as neighbors, just started racing. The first track when I was nine years old was the Bridgehampton sand track. So, you know, we wound up getting that. I started in 60 cc's. And I mean, for me, it was a childhood. That was like like you, like my first thing that I ever, you know, obsessed about. I mean, you know, for me, it was just a crazy taste of freedom, too, when you were like as a kid, you know, like there's so many rules when you're a kid and you've got to like, you can't go here, you can't do this. But then like your dad puts you on a bike and slaps you on the ass and it's like you're in control. Like it's your world. Yeah, I mean that's that's the thing on the track, and you know, especially if you're racing at a track or there's trail stuff. Like it's it's up to you, man. You you determine what you do. You know what I mean? Like this, you can freedom of, of, of expression. And it's the same with jujitsu. Like that's how jujitsu evolves. Like you're you're putting your own flavor in it. There's no rules. You know, like with the exceptions of going to you know into different tournament rule sets. I mean, on the mat, you, you know, get out of side control. Figure it out. Show us, show us what you, you can come up with. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, look at like James Stewart with scrubbing when that first came about. Nobody was doing that before he started scrubbing, and then all of a sudden, wow! You can shave a, a couple seconds a lap just by turning the bike over as you go over a jump, and you know, so you're keeping the bike low and not, you know, just trying to go for the height. I mean, it's just it's, there's so many little things that I relate, you know, motocross and jujitsu to, and I've never seen those two industries crossover as well as on uh your podcast man so another shout out for that no i appreciate that and it's definitely uh i haven't even really kind of gone in on that yet i mean definitely i'd love to do more like i've got some Ooh, I, I some future projects here oh yeah 100 percent. and and it's cool too i mean i think that um jiu-jitsu is in a pretty pretty rad place as well where you know, like Jonah Hill, Action Bronson, you know, like yeah. Kelly Slater. I mean, one of my best friends, Jack Freestone, uh, we, it was pretty epic. Like this year at Narrabeen for the WSL, we went down, uh, I drove down to Sydney. I took my mats. We, we got this Airbnb and we've got like, we've just rearranged the whole living room, put mats down and, and we're like drilling 50, 50 right before literally in his board shorts for his heat. And then he puts his jersey on for his heat. And then he goes out and he does like this crazy air, wins this heat. And <laughs> we like get a coffee, come back to the hotel. And then it's like more 50 50, you know? So uh, that's pretty uh, funny. It was like his warm up and his stretching, you know, it was his jujitsu. <laughs> it was, yeah. And, uh, and he performed great. And, uh, you know, so there's so many really cool people that are, are getting into jujitsu. And I think uh, there was like Rogan was really like this first wave. Um, and then I think that, you know, there's going to be, there's like a butterfly effect that's like still rippling out that we still haven't fully seen play out. So uh, it's it's exciting. And then it's still really early, man. It's, it's really still really early. Like you said, I mean, I, you know, I have my academy in the Hamptons, Hamptons Jitsu, and, you know, after I think it was a couple of months, we had this guy come in. We get a lot of visitors from the city because we're, you know, pretty tourist area in the Hamptons there. And then, you know, uh, come to my knowledge, which I didn't even realize. Some guy's like, hey, you know who that is over there? And I'm like, no. And that's like, oh, that's that's Steven Spielberg's son. So Sawyer Spielberg has been training with us for like four months, just popped in and he's like, hey, I came from Unity, but everybody's calling your place the beach house. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, cool, man, come in, train. And, you know, but that, that's how that's how it is. Like, you know, like, yeah. have, like and discover things like that. Like, like that's how people want to be in jujitsu. Like, you don't, like, people don't know who everybody is on the map, but that's not why we're there, you know? Yeah, and I mean that's 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 one thing. Um, oh, sorry, Brian. Oh no, 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 go, Chase. 
No, I think that's one cool thing about jiu-jitsu, you know, like uh, you go into the academy um, and there's like a level of respect that is earned by people that is like so tangible and it's like more tangible than money, you know, like, you know, they say like you can't buy time, you know, you can't buy more time. It's like, well, you can't buy respect in a jiu-jitsu gym either. Like you could be a fucking janitor. And then if you're the dude on the mat, like you're the dude, like I could be Steven Spielberg, I could be whoever, but it's like, does not matter who you are. Like you, that respect that you can get by being like, first of all, a badass or having like a crazy amount of heart or, Mm. um, you know, being super technical or being like the most helpful training partner or the most humble person in the gym. Like there's a respect level in jujitsu that you just can't buy. And I think that's probably the appeal to some of these people, a guy like a Jonah Hill or Action Bronson or a Kelly Slater, you know, like they live in these weird worlds where um, people do treat them differently. But in jiu-jitsu, it's just like, bro, there's a, there's a completely different currency yeah. and, uh, and you got to yeah. earn that shit. Yeah, I mean, well, that's exactly how it is in, in, in motocross too. Like I remember, you know, when I was young, everybody was too busy worried about, you know, oh, what, what latest Fox gear do you have or what decals on your bike? Do you get, did you guys get the Renthal handlebars? Meanwhile, it didn't matter. If you were first at the, at the finish line, you know what I mean? And you were, you were doing, like, there was, you know, it doesn't matter. You, you're wearing your clothes are falling off and ripping because it's old. It doesn't matter. You're out there and, and you finish first and, you know, however you can do that. And that's how different styles come about. It's just, it's yet another thing that's like, it's just all about the, the currency is how you, how you are on mm. the mat or how you're finishing at, at, on the track. You know, it's such a, such an amazing correlation. Yeah. No, no one cares about a hundred dollar rash guard or a three hundred dollar gate. It doesn't matter. You know, you're gonna get your ass whooped. You're gonna get your ass whooped. You know. <laughs> yeah, I mean that yeah, was one hundred percent. Yeah, tell, tell us a little bit about Australian jiu-jitsu because this is a and kind of a, an awesome you know phenomenon out of out of Australia. I mean, I remember meeting. Uh, I met Kit Dale at uh, the last ADCC when I went there live and was chatting with him. And you know, I've met Craig Jones at a lot of the Kasai shows that I worked with. And then uh, hanging out with Levi Jones at the whole a whole weekend when we did a Kasai show. And that, that kid is just awesome. What's what's the you know what's the uh, kind of the culture of Australian Jiu Jitsu? Is it like kind of not a lot of schools around? Maybe it's concentrated in certain areas. Nah, man, it's jujitsu is massive here, man. Uh, I think, I think one of the underrated thing I've actually never really thought about it until kind of we, you know, I was about to come on the podcast. But man, so I live in the Gold Coast, Australia. So I basically live in Rio de Janeiro of Australia, um, and and there's a lot of Brazilians here. Um, so my wow. professor Fabio Galeb, uh, he's been in Australia, I think, like twelve or fifteen years. He owns four or five academies here. Um, right. So I think that why jiu-jitsu is so good in Australia is because it's like a, a little bit of a migration haven for Brazilians, you know, like there's a lot of Brazilians here. Um, the weather's really good. It, it's a lot like Brazil here, especially on the Gold Coast. Um, and, yeah, so there's been some, like, kind of OG dudes um, around Australia for a really long time. And then those guys – have, um, I guess, created these gyms where you've seen guys like Lachlan Giles come out of and then Kit Dale, um, then Craig Jones. We've had like uh, like Anthony Perosh was like an early MMA guy. Um, so there's some like real OG dudes here. Um, and yeah, I think a big part of that is like this kind of Brazilian migration 
um, that that sort of did happen. Um, and then, yeah, now, like, I, I mean, I've spent a lot of time training with Lachlan um, at Absolute MMA. Um, I've gone on, like, some camps with him, and whenever I'm in Melbourne for competitions, I go down there. Um, so I think that what, what you saw is, like, this early – migration that created like this really great foundation for jiu-jitsu in australia through the brazilians um and then offshoots of that with guys like lachlan um and then you know like he brought up craig and that whole crew um and i think now too that you're seeing uh you're seeing guys for the first time not feel like they have to leave australia to get great training like there's guys like um like Lockie that's got his school um, there down in Melbourne that people from other places in the world are, were coming to him. Um, so, yeah, it's really, really evolving and and COVID's been a really tough time for a lot of people. Like we've had some pretty <laughs> extensive lockdowns. Um, so I feel terrible for everybody that has had to go through that in Australia. I've personally been quite lucky in Queensland. We've probably been one of the luckiest states. Um but yeah, jiu-jitsu is crazy, man. Like the, you, a lot of local competitions, um, a lot of kids doing it, a lot of schools, a lot of classes. So it's a it's a really, I think it's in a really really good spot in Australia for sure. That's awesome. So are there a lot, a lot are there a lot of big competitions like in Australia, mm-hmm. like big competitions coming out? Or yeah. you see like IBJJF yeah. at all, or, or any sub only yeah. stuff? Yeah, oh heaps, man! Like the scene is is killing it. Um, so do you know Ben, ben Hodgkinson? He faced Gordon yeah. first round at ADCC. So he mm-hmm. runs Grappling Industries in Australia. Um, there was actually just a Grappling Industries in my city uh, this weekend. Oh, wow. um, so there's a lot of Grappling Industries. Um, there's uh, George Hanlon. He does the ADC Australia stuff. He uh, okay. runs a uh, subversion, which is like a Kasai-type fight show, which is awesome. Like, they live stream it. Um, there's another fight night that they do on the Gold Coast, which is really great. Talos and Sores just fought on that uh, mm-hmm. recently. A bunch of our dudes from from my academy at Galeb Brothers are always on those shows as well. Um, we got some super high-level dudes that train um, out of our academy. And then, yeah, IBJF, like, I, I do nationals and pan packs every year. Um, we've got like state championships that are run by, um, IBJJF every year. So yeah, it's like a really thick and healthy scene here in Australia. And there's some really good dudes that are coming out of the country. Is it, so is it a mix of gi and no gi or is it more no gi or more gi there in Australia? Like at the academy? I honestly think it would be similar to America. Like I do, um, I think I'm in the lucky generation of jiu-jiteros, whatever you call us. But uh, like my first week of doing jiu-jitsu, I did two gi classes and two no gi classes. So <laughs> in my like my jiu-jitsu has just been 50-50. Um, so so yeah, and I think that um, I mean there's probably you know some places lean more towards no gi um, and you know the leg lock stuff. Uh, my my gym I would say is more of a traditional IBJF gi jiu-jitsu but we do yeah like i said i'll, I'll do pretty much the I same amount of gi and no gi we do an open mat for, for gi every week we do an open mat for no gi we got no gi specific classes gi specific so um yeah it's uh it's i'd say it's really similar to what you guys have over there that's that's awesome to hear man and speaking of lachlan like you mentioned lachlan and you know when i saw him live at, at ADCC. I mean, that was pretty much his, like, you know, his, his breakout. I was lucky enough to be sitting right in the you know, VIP section there. And then 
just, I mean, it goes back to what you were saying again. Like he didn't win, but it did not matter. It was his performance on the mat. I mean, open weight tapping three huge guys that outweighed him by, I don't know how much with, you know, with, with, with heel hooks. And it's just the pureness of, of his style of jujitsu is, you know, technique overcomes the boot strength and all that. And I mean, it's, that, that really put a lot of uh, Australia on the map. I mean, you know, Craig Jones, obviously, but you know, Lachlan and, and now Levi Jones, uh, next up in common. love that kid. Uh, just really cool to see, uh, you know, worldwide and different people from different places succeeding, you know? Well, the thing too, man, you got to think about like what Lachlan did at ADCC. Does that happen if he's training full time in America and people are seeing his K guard? Yeah, like he literally, it's like he's on the other side of the world practicing some shit where no one's filming him. No, like you can't see what he's bringing. And he literally bought like a gun to a knife fight with those dudes. <laughs> and uh, and he, he just cleaned house. And this will be an unpopular opinion, especially with Gordon Ryan. But man, Gordon wanted nothing to do with that in their match and i'm i'm sorry but there was there was one time where like Lockie kind of half got in on the leg there and uh and gordon gordon pulled the uh pulled the back pedal on that one so i just think that you know there's almost a little bit of something tangible there it's like this guy was just like on the other side of the world working on some shit that no one had seen and then he bought it to the prom and uh and uh and stole the dance you know so soon the debate's going to be coming. Australian Jiu-Jitsu versus American Jiu-Jitsu versus Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. <laughs> and I wasn't oh, yeah, like, I, 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 like I, I, one of Greg Jones' skits, right? Like Australian Jiu-Jitsu, you know what I mean? Like it's it's so it's yeah. so cool to see. Like people can, you know, come up with their own flavor and style and they're half, you know, they're half mocking it and, and joking because everybody, the whole talk about now it's American Jiu-Jitsu and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu kind of, mm-hmm. kind of thing. But uh, yeah, I mean, I just – we were even studying a lot of Lachlan's game because to your point, uh, it seemed to us that Lachlan's way of entering the legs, once again, when, when you're coming up with your own individuality and the style, it seemed like Lachlan's entries was more about securing the, the, the end of the leg and the heel kind of where you want it to be first. And then trying to get like a, uh, inside Senkaku. Whereas, where you see, you mm. know, a lot of EDS guys and you know Donahue and all that, they want to secure secure their their um, you know Connie Basami or however they're entering the legs around like with the reap first, and then they're going to go for the heel. Just seemed like I feel like Lachlan was getting that heel where he wanted it, and then putting his legs where they needed to be. And it was just a slight little difference in the uh, the way he sets it up that that makes it amazing, you know. And I think, I mean, it might be a little bit out of my pay grade, but I think like the way that he's setting it up is more with like outside leg positioning, um, which I think is probably a little bit better for like guard retention. So you could probably take more risks uh, in going for the for the legs as opposed to like starting with leg positioning inside. Um, and then there being, especially against bigger guys, you know, uh, and then like your actual, just your guard in general being uh, a little bit more vulnerable. So you play like this outside leg positioning, You've got a lot of room to kind of like uh, for guard retention with like leg pummeling um, and then kind of build your entries off that. And it seems like you can take a little bit more risk with that type of positioning. So I think on like a lot of levels, it's like extremely innovative. The, I guess the way that, that he, um, you know, just went about like that, that whole deal. Yeah, like mm-hmm. back, backside 50-50, like, you know, that, that whole – like entryway into there and really placing the foot in, in backside. Like that was a whole, you know, really cool thing to see because, 
you know, we everybody's seen him at ADCC. Then, I mean, a lot of people knew of him already. I've known of him already and, mm-hmm. and seen him. But when a lot of other people, like, he exploded, and then they go dig up his instructionals, and then they really see, you know, where his uniqueness is. It's just so cool to to see how that all came about. And with him, like, I've been around him, uh, lucky enough to, like, hang around him um, as a mate and as a, like, as a, a instructor. Like, I... When I when I first started jiu-jitsu, I was like five months in. I actually went and did a 10-day camp in Thailand with him. Um, and, yeah, like just being around like the level at which he thinks about jiu-jitsu. And there's not many conversations you have with him that aren't about jiu-jitsu. And, I mean, he's a PhD. Like he's a PhD physiotherapist, like Dr. Lachlan Giles. Um, so there's a very, very smart dude there. Uh, and I think, you know, Danaher gets a lot of credit for the intelligence level that he has and um yeah i think that that Lockie's on a pretty pretty gnarly level in terms of how he thinks about and not just techniques too like he's got a really unique way of thinking about learning um as one thing and then coaching uh, as another as well so he's a i think that yeah i think that in a few years time like the whole Lockie thing will start to make a bit more sense well, I think it's sort of what we we're talking about. We we're talking about this a little bit before the pre-call, right? Some hot, super high-level jujitsu guys. A lot of them are really smart, smart human beings, right? Really, you know, yeah. even even in general, I think jujitsu has a lot, a lot of bright people, right? It just seems to attract more cerebral thinkers. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I mean, I enjoy. It's one of the things I enjoy about jujitsu. Like when I first started, I went on just like a study binge man like i i did my first class and then i went home and i my hands were like still shaking you know and i like went on amazon and typed in jiu-jitsu just to see what books there were and i like ordered zanji Rivera's jiu-jitsu university and i think by the end of my first week of jiu-jitsu I'd, I'd read that entire book um and then you know like went in on the instructionals and i just was like study study start i wanted mm-hmm. to learn as as much as possible and i think uh jiu-jitsu sort of like facilitates that because Mm -hmm. there is so much information out there um and then i think that uh as well as it facilitating that i think it's like uh that's probably why you see those people it's because like they can dive in in that way Mm -hmm. yeah and i think one of the cool things i mean we all we all have this tendency to study jiu-jitsu like obsessively to some degree but it's like crazy because to me at least i go okay these are the things that are really going to work for me like so the more i get study diversity of of people and styles i'm like okay that's gonna that will work for me that you know i good that i know it but i'll probably never pull that off in a fight you know or a role but you know having the diversity and having so much information lets you like create your own game in some ways oh yeah definitely and i mean i'm probably like it's probably pissed my professors off to the point where like i'll commit to that like i just know there's stuff i'll never do um but yeah i mean i i feel like i figured that out pretty quickly i'm like i'm a lanky dude um i'm not the biggest dude like i'm real tall real skinny real lanky so i'm just like i just watched craig jones i was like well he's tall skinny and lanky um so like that's my guy and then i'll watch for the gi it's like nicholas marigali and keenan mm-hmm. it's like i don't have to go super far like uh and right. i kind of know i it's like those dudes are better than me and like they kind of figured out the same thing 
Yeah, well, well, you know, like everything, there's only, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of creativity in jujitsu, but there's only so many ways the human body moves, you know? So you figure out the things that works for you in those positions and, and you work on those, you know? Not that you shouldn't know, like you should know as much as you can, but, you know, you figure out the things that work for your body, you know, work for you as a, as a fighter. Well, I will say, like, probably one of the best things that our academy has drilled into me um, is fundamentals. Just mm-hmm. fundamentals of, of every single level. And I think it's probably something that, like, I'm four years into jiu-jitsu. Um, and, yeah, there's there's just at no point is it, like, you put six months into fundamentals and then you're dialed. It's, like, literally work on fundamentals your entire jiu-jitsu career. At least that's how yeah. I feel at this point right now. And and by fundamentals, I even mean, like, the warm-up, you know. <laughs> there's there's just some fundamental movements that always apply no matter like what you do at any part of your game and that's been probably my biggest takeaway from my academy and like my professors is like fundamentals 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 and it sounds like the most boring thing ever but man they're just the basics of brazilian jiu-jitsu the intro stuff you learn it's just like you could spend your life getting good at those yeah no absolutely yeah, I feel like, like BJ Penn said it best um, when uh, we trained with him in the city. And uh, he said, it's like, he's like, all I do is just ad- advance basics and I shove it down the guy's throat, you know? Yeah. Like, you know, you, you master the basics and then you take those basics. Is even the stuff that, you know, some people would consider ad- advanced or new school. Like, the, you won't be able to do them unless unless you're good at the basics like they're all intertwined they're like even like a lot of the warm-up movements we do it's 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 yeah. mimicking movements on the mat so like really you know you're getting good at some new stuff but you cannot do any of the quote-unquote new school stuff or advanced stuff without being great at the basics you know i say it all the time i think some people think like people students want to go directly to the, the advanced and the new stuff and they could try mm-hmm. but they're not going to really have good success with it unless they have a certain level of knowledge of the basics you know so i always refer back to that quote by bj Penn: is advanced basics and shove it down the guy's throat you know yeah that's well, a, yeah. a good point because right if you can't get into a position you can't pull off whatever that is you want to do the submission or whatever you have to be able to get to where you need to get and without the basics you can't do that but i think another thing that's important right and we talk about this all the time greg is the concepts of things right it's understanding the concept that actually lets you be creative and hit it from whatever a different angle or from a different position you know and that becomes i think is a huge important thing along with fundamentals is the concept of how things work you know yeah, and that's, that's that's exactly it. The concept-based approach of, of teaching, and not only is the way that I like to teach and prefer to teach, it's the way I like to learn, but also you know, coming up in, in motocross, I mean, I can't tell you how many times the, the fundamentals came back and it was almost like being taught in a concept base. Like when I really focused on being on the balls of my feet and not the center of my yeah, foot, yeah. you're doing yeah. jumps and you're in the whoops. I mean, the two inches, just two freaking inches of a little higher on your boot and your whole technique on the bike changes or, you know, being able to just look a little bit ahead when you're entering corners. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, just stuff like that. And that takes mat time. It takes track time too. It's a yeah. combination, you know, and especially in the two stroke world in motocross, I mean, it's different uh, somewhat nowadays, but you know, pinning that throttle and just playing with the clutch and keeping the power in the pipe and, you know, certain little things like that. But instead of just somebody telling it to you, if they, if they frame it more in a concept approach, like the way yeah. we do, and I like to teach in jujitsu, I mean, it's just, you know, growing up in both 
both uh, sports and industries. It's it's so amazing to see. It just comes down to how humans prefer to learn. Yeah, and man, I will say that my jiu-jitsu has almost given me like a second life in motocross. I mean, I, I was definitely like real industry-based and I was like in the game and, you know, like working around the sport so much. But in terms of like actually riding, I'd lost a lot of that love for it. It was just just got to be so hard for me i just wasn't i couldn't seem to get fit enough to do it um and then yeah like the like technically like i was just shit you know like you have like years off off riding and you just work and you get on you got no fitness you got no technique it's just it was like not a good experience for me in the way that it was when i was younger and man jiu-jitsu has completely changed my motocross um because I relearned how to learn and in jujitsu I could see it as like uh, it was just like these techniques and concepts to, to you guys's point. Um, and it was just like, it kind of changed like a bit of a light bulb for me. I was like, dude, this, all this shit applies to motocross. Like what are the concepts within motocross? Like, you know, the concept of like an underhook or outside uh, leg positioning or, you know, like there's just different ways in terms of like your posture on top. And um, so there was so many concepts that I'd kind of learned through jiu-jitsu. And then it really, really made me interested in applying that to motocross. And like the, I've got this entirely new lease on life as a motocross rider um, because I'm like looking at it through a jujitsu lap now and man, like my riding, it's insane. The last few years, my riding has got so much better. I'm enjoying it so much more. And then on top of that, I think that, um, functional, as far as functional training goes for motocross, like I'll do jujitsu like four or five times a week and then ride once on the weekend. I don't, that's, I'm fit. Like I can do a 30 minute moto now and my, my grip strength so much better. I don't really get as much arm pump. Um, so yeah, like to, to your point. trying to talk to uh, Alvin Baker about this. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, the problem is it's risky. (laughs) Or Ryan Ryan Hughes. I know Ryan Hughes is big into the whole fitness aspect of training. You've had a lot of the uh, motocross celebrities on your show. Is there anybody that trains, you know, jujitsu that races like professionally that you know of? Nah, nah, I don't. But I would like to change that. I know, uh, I know a couple of. Uh, I know there's a Formula One driver that's dabbled in some jujitsu, um, hmm. but he's worth too much money to go and do. Yeah, I mean, motocross too. I mean, they, you know, they, these guys can't risk any uh, any injury. You know what I mean? But I, I tell you what, doing all these, the road work that they do with the road bicycles, I mean, shit. That's I mean, same shit, right? <laughs> Man, that's, yeah. that's pretty dangerous if you ask me. Holy shit. Okay, I don't know too much I about motocross, agree. right? Yeah. I don't know too much about motocross, but I'm assuming also some of the falling we do in jiu-jitsu helps out with motocross, oh, right? I can't tell you how much it helped me. I mean, I got videos of my last – one of the last races I did, and, and over the 75-foot triple, you know, I was in first place, and I endoed. And if I didn't front roll out of that, I mean, my collarbone – I mean, this was back – you know, I didn't – they didn't have, like, those cushions now that everybody wears under the helmets mm. and, and all that stuff. It was just – raw chest protector and helmet crashing down on the collarbone. So collarbone breaks were one of the main injuries you saw in motocross. But yeah, having the, the ability to fall, I mean, mm-hmm. that's 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 huge, I think. Yeah, I actually just had a big one. I'm still uh, kind of banged up from it. I did a race uh, a few weeks ago and a, a guy, like we're going down this kind of rough sand straight and the dude's kind of back wheel kicked in front 
And um, I was pretty close, like trying to get past him. And I just hit this dude like third gear wide open. I flew over the handlebars and then did a, like a forward roll. Um, I mean, I still got pretty hurt. Like I cracked my helmet and my back and shoulders are pretty sore. But like I got up and finished the race. Um, and yeah, that, that's a, again, fundamentals, basics right. of, uh, of you know, figuring out how to do a forward roll. And, and I, <laughs> I did hold out of it and. It was a, a really big and bad crash. So, yeah, I don't know whether – and I actually, the other thing too, man, I preach like I'm a heretic for stretching um, and mobility and flexibility. I think that's my biggest thing that's helped my jiu-jitsu in the, in the past 12 months is like really, really committing to some mobility. Um, and I, I bet when I landed, I would have done like a full pike and that <laughs> flexibility that I've been um, – Working on, I think, was like a, a really big saving grace in a in a big crash like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's you see all the guys that big into the flexibility and functional training, but I think that that's a that's a huge missing link that you brought up is the, the ability to fall. I mean, you see a lot. I mean, we used to. I remember back in the day, we used to train. You know, just pick up your bike. You know, yeah, hundred times just to just to get used to when you fall, picking it up. But I mean, falling. How many? you know, falling injuries do you see? I mean, a lot of it, you, you can't control it. You're going so fast or you're so high or it's such a last-minute thing and high speeds and stuff. But I, I can't tell you how many times no, no one had a fall from jiu-jitsu helped me, you know? Yeah, I wish I knew it a little bit earlier, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it should be part of the basics of uh, of motocross, right? Little, yeah. Well, you know, fresh we don't, we don't train like we just it essentially this is one thing that kind of like from the if you want to talk about like the jiu-jitsu to motocross thing i would like look at my the way i spent my life i'm like what the fuck have i been doing? like i've never trained all i've done is essentially just rolled every day like imagine yeah. you get your bike and you or like you you just do jiu-jitsu like or you do motocross day one well we'll use the jiu-jitsu analogy it's like you rock up to your class and you're like okay i don't want to drill I don't want to learn anything. I just want to roll. It's like you might get okay at it over like years and years and years, but you know, you're not going to get as good as if you like essentially go into this program of learning and drilling and, and with great coaching. And that's, that does not exist in motocross in the way that it should, as far as I'm concerned. And, uh, and I've kind of tried to take that approach to my writing in the last few years. And it's just made the, like, like I said, it's just made the biggest difference. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a good point too. If you only went to open mats or just rolled, right? You know, if you didn't have someone teaching you some basic stuff, it would, it's it's a lot harder to figure it out on your own versus you know someone going, "Hey, here's here's where you should start." Yeah, just break some grips. Just when they grab you, just break the grip. <laughs> right. That might take someone like <laughs> that might take someone months to figure out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you how do you work it with your um with your podcast because your your podcast is you know you got these professional motocross guys and, and a lot of guys in that industry you've had some big jujitsu names in there you just randomly pick guys and you know how does that work? Um, I'm kind of lucky, like in just in the sense that uh, the career that I had before I started the podcast, I just met a lot of these dudes. Um, but in in the jujitsu lane, the first guy that I met was yeah so i i reached out to lachlan because i wanted to do his camp um i saw that he was doing like a thailand camp so i reached mm -hmm. out to lachlan i said hey like i want to come to the camp i'd love to do the podcast with you um i'd only been doing jiu-jitsu like five months at this point um and then the next guest that i did 
Um, what is going on with my laptop right now? Um, the then the next guest was Craig, um, and then I met Craig through Lachlan. I went down and did the pan packs um, in Melbourne. So we did the cast with him before, um, and then that I think once you've got some runs on the board, and then I kind of hit up Levi, um, then Ari Tabak, he was um, here as well. So uh, and then like Jeremy Skinner, Ben Hodgkinson. So just guys are kind of in the area, and I'd hit them up. And yeah, I just think once you got some runs on the board, you can kind of. Uh, you know, and that's why I put so much effort into how the podcast looks and sounds because at the end of the day, people are going to get some cool clips out of it for their own shit anyway. Um, and then, yeah, it's just kind of kind of ended up um, ended up sort of being what it is, I guess. Hmm. And wh- where are you about in your specifically your your jiu-jitsu training? Like you you're currently a blue belt, right? Yeah, so I've been doing it for about four years. Uh, when I'm in the swing of things, I try and train most days through the week. Um, but I just, I've had some injuries. Like I, I went and did uh, a race in Western Australia, um, in June and I, I had, I trained like quite hard for that. So I had some crashes and, and then pre like last year was a bad year. I, I, I crashed a Harley in Vietnam right before COVID. Uh, we, we do like this, we ride across Vietnam every year with my family and, um, I just was, yeah, I just crashed. <laughs> and so I tore my <laughs> yeah. rotator cuff. Um, yeah. and then I got back on the bike. And uh, I had just a really weird accident and I ended up breaking my hip. So last year I had like these two kind of big injuries um, and then I'd sort of been sort of building back into it. Um, but yeah, so I sort of four years ago I started and I've, I've tried and train pretty much as, as much as I can. I, I, in the past, before these injuries, I was pretty actively competing as well. Like I've done, a, you know, I've done state championships at every belt. Um, and then I've done nationals and pan packs uh, as a white belt. I haven't got to do it um, as a blue belt yet, but um, but yeah, that's my little jujitsu in a nutshell. That's cool, man. And actually, just speaking of uh, falling for motocross, oh man, let me see if I can open this up for you here. Uh, <laughs> uh, can you see that, Brian? Yeah, let me see. Right, this, so this is me. I was in first place. I was on 125. Oh. And I hit the triple look, but there was a rock on the triple look. Flip over. Oh. Boom. And boom! See me falling off the front there. Oh, dude! Yeah. <laughs> so hey, you got out of that. You got out of that. Good. Yeah. That that was about. Yeah. A should, should we watch this again? Terrible. Should we watch this again? Yeah, yeah. So this this was. Uh, I think it was like 2008. I'm on 125 SX. I got thrown out to the line. See, I wasn't on my, the balls of my feet. Look, endo. Boom! I landed good, but I just. I just flipped right over the bars, but I did literally. You can't really see it, but an actual front roll. I mean, yeah, I, I'm I saw you come up. up. Yeah, yeah. I scratched you up pretty good, but man, that's crazy. Yeah, that's uh, that, that. Hey, that was a sick bike, dude. I'd love to get one of those things. I actually had uh, I had Grant Langston. Uh, after this, I'll just do the ads and then put the Grant Langston podcast out. But uh, he actually spoke about developing that motorcycle in Europe for KTM. It was insane hearing about how they developed that bike. That's, you mentioned Grant Langston. He when I was uh, I was in the ADCC and we did the uh, the national track in Broome Tioga. The day after, we, there was like a um, he did he hosted like a whole training camp for really yeah. And I and I was there. I have a video of it, and it's Grant Langston showing you know like just like coming around the corner. We were working on corners that day, jumps. I got that all on video. Grant Langston, man, yeah, that's that's going back that's now, man. It. You know, so yeah, he, he's a G, man. He puts the G and GL, that dude. 
<laughs> but yeah, man, I, I really appreciate you coming on. What's uh, give everybody here, you know, just so we got, you know, mainly jujitsu guys, but if they're interested in checking out your podcast, I mean, they can find one of the uh, jujitsu guys that were on your show so far. You've had Craig, you've had Levi, you've had Lachlan. Uh, yeah. And then Jeremy Skinner, uh, he's a Aussie dude. He's kind of on the scene as well. Like he was doing, uh, the, what's the, uh, shit. What's the UK one that, that those boys were doing quite regularly. Uh, oh, um, uh, oh, what is that one? Yeah, I know. I know John commentator for that one. Yeah. Yeah. So like Jeremy was, was on that one. Um, and yeah, he's a, a leg lock specialist out of absolute, um, so yeah, he's been on Ben Hodgkinson. That was pretty, pretty early days. Um, but yeah, hopefully, hopefully I'll be, well, I'm trying to sort of get over to America and, uh, and do a couple, couple more. I've actually, I got, um, Edwin Najmi's coming on, um, pretty soon. And then I, I had, uh, Robert Drysdale on the podcast, but we could only do an hour. We do like a three hour show. Um, and then we mentally link back and I started building the studio. So I haven't actually got back. So, uh, to, doing the one with robert yet but um yeah he's a fantastic dude so i i would definitely love to start doing more um jiu-jitsu stuff uh in the in the future but yeah hopefully when i get to the states um and then some of the crossover stuff too is really cool like jack freestone like he's a really good mate of mine um mm-hmm. and he is a jiu-jitsu purple belt and he is a fucking beast <laughs> so wow. Uh, that he's like a he's a cool dude for anyone that likes jiu-jitsu and surfing um and then yeah it'd be it'd be pretty cool to get uh a few other sort of crossover dudes on that that's something that really interests me is like trying to find these like crossover dudes that that you kind of might not know um that'd be really really interesting man you know that's what i think uh that's what i thought when i started watching i'm like man we gotta have this guy on because there's a lot of a lot of things that we could do and there's a lot of crossover you know what i mean um, it, it doesn't hurt that uh, Greg loves motocross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I mean, just, you know, back in the day with, with on eighties and with guys like James Stewart and Travis Pastrana lapping me and and hanging out at the um, it was like the Kawasaki Race of Champions was always the big. Uh, so Carmichael was just in the pits hanging out with us, and then at the national track, and uh, that was when McGrath and Emig were going at it, and we were just back, yeah. you know, behind in the because uh, we were racing there at the same weekend, so we were in the back where the pits were, and just you know after the race walking back with Emig. I mean, you never realize how you know awesome and special that is back then, you know. But well, well, the thing is, man, like what you're describing is essentially like you were at an open mat next to Hoist Gracie and mm-hmm. Elio drilling. You know what I mean? So like yeah. the, to the people that were in jiu-jitsu, like they might not fully have the the context. Um, but like you've if you've been in a race with James Stewart, that's pretty much like you've been in a bracket with Hoist Gracie and slapped hands and he fucking choked you, you know? So it's like uh, – yeah, um, yeah. Getting, getting pushed out to the outside of the turn by James. Yeah, that's uh, that's 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 amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and I, yeah, I think you've just got um, yeah. I guess the same respect that I have for like the top athletes. I mean, dude, like when when Levi come on the podcast, um, we went and trained the we we trained together for like an hour and a half before we sat down to do the podcast. And I mean, I've rolled with a bunch of good dudes, but like it was just this it was an experience that i will never forget and it just it changed my jiu-jitsu and i honestly got better at jiu-jitsu 
just by getting fucked up by that dude. <laughs> you know? uh, you, so, Levi Levi is one of my favorite guys in 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 jujitsu because he's a young kid. I mean, the most humble kid. And we were hanging out at, at a Kasai show because we flew on the on the Kasai plane, and he spent the whole weekend with us, and then flew back. And uh, you know he, his story, and I just hit him up. He's going to be coming on the show with us, and his story about training in Australia where his gym coming up was only open mats. I, I just, I just couldn't get over that. So when he comes on the show, that's going to be like a big topic for us because for a guy like him to be on the such cutting edge of like these new school and, and come with his own Baron Bolo style and beating legends in the sport. I mean, and to come up through the ranks, not even in a structured class. I mean, uh, that, that blows well, my mind. So- he he was doing jiu-jitsu three months, right? And then he went to his mum and said, hey, I'm going to quit school and just do this. And he he literally was a kid, and he'd be Facebook messaging people for every hour of the gym. And he'd, like, go there in the morning, and he'd do the morning class and the afternoon class, and then he would structure people as a kid to go. And he just had it in his mind, that like, as a, as a young, you know, 14, 15-year-old kid that, like, if I just do jujitsu more than everybody else, I'll get better than everybody else. And it was that simple. And, uh, and man, like the work ethic. And that's, I think, one of the coolest thing um, for, about, you know, getting to do the podcast on my end is that, like, I just get to that energy kind of rubs mm-hmm. off, you know, and I get to hear, like, those stories. And, yeah, for my training, like, I literally think I got better at jujitsu just by being in the same room as that dude and, and hearing him talk about, you know, the way that he trained and the, the effort that he put in and the way that he, you know, went about learning and the commitment and the sacrifice. It's just, yeah, it's insane the the level that some of these guys, um, you know, push themselves to in this sport. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. And I think to your point, like the commitment, like the commitment certain people are making to jujitsu is, is amazing, you know? Oh, yeah. And I guess it just speaks to, you know, the outlet. And I, I know for for my life, man, that I think the thing, I mean, like, Greg, you'd, you'd know that, you know, when you ride and you get into that zone and that, that flow state, that's really why we do it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, that's a place that you kind of can't get to, um, or most people can't get to in everyday life. And, and for me, but I've raced and ridden my whole life, but nothing gets me to that place more than jujitsu. And it's like, it's not guaranteed when I get on the bike. Like if I get on the bike and I do like 20 minutes worth of riding, like it's not guaranteed that that's where I'm going to go. I know there's like my brother, for example, like he's kind of just there, but for whatever reason for me with jujitsu, it's like I'm there and I'm out and it's like you know you do five rolls in a day or whatever then that's like five times where you're just like completely gone um and yeah i think that that feeling is just like so beneficial um you know to your life and i and i think that that's why some of these guys can like dedicate their life to it because it's like they just get into this like crazy place um you know where there's you know all those problems and shit are gone and then and then in when you're in that place like you can just do you can achieve so much as as a person in terms of your performance and i think that's why you just see these guys that they just spend their life in that zone um and yeah some pretty crazy shit comes as a result of it 
Yeah, I think that's that's what everybody says. Like when they when they either you know you're doing a moto or you're you're training on the mat, nothing else matters but what you're doing at that particular time. And you know to have the, the, the those two sports being that same respect, I mean it's really what you're what everybody seeks, you know. And it's, mm. it's the individuality of it is really what pulled me into mot- motocross. Was you know was my first love, man. And then you know got into martial arts uh, after that. But it's, it's such a similar thing. And in the way you said that, in, you're in the zone and you get into that whole, you know, nothing else matters but the next turn. Nothing else matters but trying to escape the side control. You know, that whole mentality. Mm-hmm. So That's cool. Yeah, man. That's yeah I mean, I, I, think, uh, I think there's a lot. I think we got a lot here, man. There's a lot of crossover. We got two awesome podcasts right here. And uh, just give us uh, details on where everybody can exactly find yours. Because I think everybody here should be shooting over to Gypsy Tales because – there's so many big jujitsu names on there that have already been on there and that are still coming on there. And it's such an awesome podcast. Where can we check that out? Well, hopefully if I've done my job right, if you type gypsy tales into anything, it'll come <laughs> up. If, if, if you can't find it if by Googling it, then I'm doing a shit job. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> gypsy tales on iTunes, uh, gypsy tales on like Spotify. Um, we got two YouTube channels. So one is kind of like clips uh, and then the other one is where the full episodes, um, and then just on Instagram. Um, and yeah, hopefully we'll be doing some more jujitsu content. I've got some, um, I got some kind of stuff planned, but, um, my body needs to cooperate a little bit. Um, you, oh, you had the guy on here that did the, the 60 jujitsu classes in a month, right? Oh uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Nick. Nick. Yeah, Nick. I I like that. I, I kind of actually want to do that. That's like my yeah. uh, that's like my get back my injury time. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, so, something like that. That'd be pretty cool. And um, and yeah, I'd love to get some sort of moto dudes trying jujitsu. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to be trying in my own little way to uh, to get some more crossover stuff happening. If I do get stateside, I would love to come and hang out with you guys and uh, yeah, get you back on the bike. Oh yeah, anytime, man. Let's 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 do that ASAP. You know, I mean, anytime you get over here, and then, uh, but yeah, stick around after the show, man. Let's let's chat a little bit. But guys, make sure you like, share, subscribe. Uh, make sure you jump on our website. We got our new reviewmyroll.com uh, service on there. Remember, you guys can send us videos of you rolling. We send you back a black belt critiquing your rolling video. One of the best ways we believe that you guys can um, increase your level in jujitsu. You can even have uh, guests on our show in the past and request one of those guests to uh, critique your role. Uh, make sure you guys shoot over to Gypsy Tales Podcast. Check that out, and we'll see you guys next week. Thanks, Ace, guys. Thanks for, thanks for listening, everybody. And, uh, yeah, thanks for the invite. Uh, humbled and, uh, and, yeah, stoked to be on with you guys. Awesome, man. Mm-hmm.